Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another Millennium Live podcast. My name is Connor Tui, and I'm very happy to be doing another episode. As we all know, Millennium Live focuses on a bunch of industries such as marketing and healthcare, and of course, cybersecurity. And I'm really excited today to be talking to a really cool company called Bright Security, who's on a mission to help you build secure applications and fast. Bright Security lets developers and AppSec teams find and fix vulnerabilities from development to production without slowing them down. And to, to talk all about Bright, I'm here joined by Gadi Boschwitz, who's the co-founder and CEO. Gadi, thanks for joining us today with your Bright shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me, Connor, and great to meet everybody. Cool. So we'll we'll jump right in to the questions. Uh, first, Gotti, can I just um, ask you to give just a very brief introduction about yourself? And I know you guys rebranded earlier this year, so maybe give a shout out to that and and what the mission really is here at, at Bright Security. Yeah, absolutely. So in in terms of of myself, I've been doing this for uh, scared to say about thirty years now. Uh, started my way. I'm originally from Israel, but have been in the U.S. for many years and, and started my way off in cyber in, in the customary 8200 unit in the IDF, uh, like many other founders doing all sorts of cyber related activities and have progressed my career across many different areas um, since then. Uh, then we decided in, in 2018 to found what was then Neurolegion. Uh, has become Bright Security. We changed the name from Neurolegion to Bright uh, in uh, January this year. And so January 2022, after we closed our Series A funding, we thought that Bright rolled off the tongue a bit better and, and we didn't get all sorts of questions anymore around, do you do something related to the brain because it's neural <laughs> or are you a new wave of religion because it's neurolegion? So <laughs> wanted to get away from all of those and, and focus really on the fact that we help uh, illuminate the way for organizations on how they can deploy uh, DAST solutions in a better way and more creative way. To the other part of your question, uh, company, as I said, was founded in 2018, but we made some pivots in the beginning. And in 2019, we decided to follow and focus on developer-centric DAST. Uh, DAST, for those who are not familiar, is dynamic application and API security testing. And the reason we focus on developer-centric DAST is that DAST still remains the only way to test vulnerabilities in an application and in APIs in the same way that a hacker would look at them. So you're looking at them from the outside in and not just focusing on the vulnerabilities that exist in the code. The reason that it's so important to have developer-centric DAST or a way for the application security team to govern what do we need to scan, where do we need to find vulnerabilities, uh, how do we actually manage the program, and then validate but have most of the heavy lifting done by the actual developers is that for most organizations that have shifted into DevOps practices, and that's most financial institutions, healthcare companies that you mentioned uh, earlier, Connor, uh, technology companies, telcos, et cetera, they have moved into DevOps, which means they're releasing much, much faster. And if they're releasing much faster, that does not give time 
to the application security team to validate that there are no security vulnerabilities. And all the legacy solutions in our market were created for the AppSec team. But if you have a ratio of one AppSec person to 300 developers, 400 developers, which is what happens in most organizations today, they just can't keep up. That's why you want to let the AppSec person provide the governance, but then have the developers do the heavy lifting, do most of the work and have the tools to find and remediate vulnerabilities early. And we'll talk about the business impact a bit later in, in this discussion, but that's why we decided to do what we're doing and, and started the company. Well, that's great. I'm sure it's very timely, of course. And you mentioned that it's, um, you know, developers are, are, we're loving this. So if it's a developer-friendly scanner that detects the vulnerabilities that no other solution is able to find, that's on your website. So how is your solution different from other applications, uh, other application security uh, solutions that are out there right now? I'm sure there's a lot of competition. What, what, how does Bright stand out from, from, the, from the rest of the pack? Yeah, there, there are definitely quite a few players in the application security space. It is a mature space and there are vendors in four key areas. Right? The two code related ones, which are static analysis. And that means that you are scanning first party or primary code that you've created and trying to under, identify vulnerabilities in that primary code and software composition analysis, which looks at third-party code and tries to identify vulnerabilities in that third-party code and tells you, oh, you're using this version of Java, you should be using a different version because that already has fixes, um, et cetera. And there are some massive companies in these areas. The, 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 the latest darling obviously is Sneak that's doing both of those, uh, but there are many others like Checkmarks and Veracode that are big players in those areas. The layer we operate in is more of the compiled layer. And that means that we are looking at the compiled application. And the two solutions in that world are dynamic application security testing where we play and interactive application security testing, which is basically a way of looking at static analysis and trying to eliminate the false positives because that's one of the biggest problems with static analysis. Where we stand out and where we are different is that we are the only solution that from the onset said, look, if we can only provide a solution for the AppSec team, then we failed in our goal. The reason we believe that that means that we failed in our goal is that the state in the market today is 90% of organizations are knowingly releasing vulnerable applications and APIs into the market, right? They're testing, they're running all their tests, but by the time they test with all the legacy DAS solutions that are out there, it's just to, to fix the issues because now they need to go in and try to figure out where's the vulnerability, what's causing the vulnerability. And if you're doing that late in the development life cycle, that can take a very long time and be very costly. And that's the reason that most of these organizations are exposed. And on average, it takes nine months for an organization to fix a higher medium vulnerability that sits in production. And where we are different is we enable them to start these tests as early as the unit testing phase. So the minute, the minute you've compiled the smallest or uh, the most minute components of, of your code of your application, you can already start testing for some of these vulnerabilities. And you can look at XSSs and you can look at LFIs and things like that. 
very early on, which means that now a developer can fix this issue right as part of their development process okay, and make sure that it takes them 30 seconds instead of two weeks to fix the issue. And literally, these are the timeframes that we're talking about. It's much faster to fix it early. And that means that by the time that you get to pre-production or you get to production, you've already fixed these issues. The business impact is threefold. One, you're actually not releasing vulnerable applications and APIs into the market. So that whole risk that you took on yourself as an organization is eliminated. Right? And we, we know that um, it, it's much, much cheaper to fix things early than to fix them in production. The second thing is you can now predict your releases because you're not getting into a point where you're coming back to your developers and saying, oh, we have this high vulnerability or a critical vulnerability that we need you to fix. And that has to happen before uh, we go or, or do our next release. And that means that it's gonna take you two weeks and there goes the sprint, right? So you're eliminating this tech debt from ever happening in the beginning. Uh, so it gives you much more predictability and the ability to release fast. And the third one is the happiness factor. Right? You no longer have this antagonism between development and AppSec, which has existed for the last decade because developers are just trying to release fast and AppSec is trying to, and, and, and trying to stop the, the flood of the vulnerabilities from happening. No, if you can find the vulnerabilities early as the developer, fix them, AppSec can validate it, they have time. Now you don't have that antagonism because they both have the right tools that enable them to do their job correctly. And obviously in order to achieve that, you have to have a lot of components that, that the product was built for, like eliminating false positives and providing remediation guidelines to developers and um, giving uh, proof of vulnerability and giving the right visibility to the AppSec teams so they can control uh, the process or have visibility across the process. And that's how we built the solution from the ground up to be able to achieve those business values. And that's, going back to your original question, that's what's so different about our solution. We haven't tried to bolt on security at the end. We're saying build security in from the beginning, and that's how we designed our product. I mean, that's awesome, Gotti. And I, I mean, it's kind of incredible. So before you, someone like you guys came along, like Bright Security, how did organizations address these vulnerabilities? I think there, there's multiple parts to that, right? There's the, the days before DevOps and the days after DevOps. Uh, before DevOps, there were legacy DAS solutions or legacy static analysis solutions, et cetera. And you had a three-month release cycle or a four-month release cycle because you're doing release three or four times a year, which means that at the end, you could dedicate two weeks to run all of the scans that you wanted. And there was plenty of time for the AppSec team to run these scans and make sure that they're finding the vulnerabilities. There was time to remediate these vulnerabilities, et cetera. So the legacy solutions made a lot of sense then. With the advent of DevOps six, seven, eight years ago, or in the last couple of years where it's really become prevalent, you had a shift and a change with the fact that most legacy solutions just didn't fit. And DAS has fallen out of favor because of that. Right? It's unfortunate because it was the predominant AppSec tool 15 years ago, 10 years ago. In the last few years, it's fallen out of favor because they can't keep up. So what organizations have done, they've shifted more into static analysis, they've shifted more into software composition analysis and done less and less DAS, 
we don't believe that that motion is correct. We believe that what you need to do is have the right DAS that enables you to scan in the speed of DevOps and really implement DevSecOps, which is what most organizations want to do. Want to do uh, and that's, that's what we're enabling. Mm. So there's a lot of talk about shifting left-end developer-focused security testing right now. So when is the right time for organizations to be, to be kind of looking at this as a whole and addressing the vulnerabilities? I, I think the, we see companies come to us in, in one of three stages or one of three steps in their evolution. And two of them are the right time and, and the third one is the wrong time. I'll start with the wrong time. Once you've been hacked, right? And you've had a data leak or you had a breach, et cetera. That means that yes, you have to implement a solution like this quickly, but that's the wrong time. You should have done this before that happened. So um, that's, that's option one. Option two and three, uh, we see companies that come in one of two phases. Phase one is companies that already have DAS solutions in place, right? And already have a developed AppSec program. They're using DAS, they're using SAS, they're using SCA. And they realize that they're just not able to, to keep up. And they want to go through a transformation and tra a transition of their program to make sure that they can find these vulnerabilities earlier. Uh, the other uh, type of company and type of organization that comes to us uh, are those that don't actually have a DAS solution in place now, but they understand that finding vulnerabilities early is important and they need to implement a solution that will enable them to integrate this into the development cycles. Uh, in terms of when is the right time, if, if you are in a or utilizing DevOps practices and you're trying to release quickly and make sure that your applications and APIs are secure, uh, that's, that's the right time. So you should not wait because you want to find these vulnerabilities earlier. You want to have that ounce of prevention so you don't have to utilize and spend a lot of money on the cure later. <laughs> well said. And you know, I think you answered my next question to a T, so maybe we can dive into it a little bit more, but the overall business impact of deploying an API security testing platform like Bright Security uh, and the risk of not deploying it, what are the differences there? And, and I know you touched upon it, but let's dive into that a little bit more of the, um, you know, maybe even what happens if they're already hacked. Yeah. So if, and, and, I'm sure everybody listening to this knows about the mad dash and, and the rush to um, go ahead and uh, implement a prevention strategy. You've already been hacked. How do you deal with it? And the extreme cost to the organization. Uh, I, if you look at our customer base, right? 60% of our customers are financial healthcare organizations, 25% are large software cybersecurity companies, and then 15% are other. The reason that this is the breakdown of our customer base is that those organizations are the ones that are most at risk. I'm not gonna name names, but last year, a large financial institution in North America actually had an issue with 
uh, personal PII, personal identifiable information that was stolen for a small subset of their customers. The cost to the business was just in terms of reputation cost was $1.6 billion. Mm. So the impact to these organizations from having a breach like this is so significant. We don't like to sell fear, uncertainty, and doubt, right? We don't believe that that's the right way to actually work with customers. We believe that the benefits from identifying the vulnerabilities earlier, reducing the risk to the organization, having the ability to remediate these vulnerabilities, drive more predictability in your development life cycles and improve the happiness level of both your developers and your AppSec teams are so huge to these organizations that just sowing doubt and sowing fear is, is the wrong way to approach this. But everybody knows that if, if you do have these high and medium vulnerabilities in production on average for nine months, you're at ridiculous risk. So why would you take that risk? Why wouldn't you implement a solution that will enable you to, you can't be hermetically sealed, right? Nobody can commit to you that, yes, we will solve all of these issues and all of these vulnerabilities 100%. But if you can reduce the risk by 50, 60, 70%, isn't that worth it? And that's yeah. why we believe that it's so important to shift, going back to your earlier point, shift application security lift, deploy it to the hands of developers while giving the governance to the AppSec team and driving that collaboration because that can drive a lot of value for the organization. Mm. Yeah, of course. And so, and in, by the way, you mentioned some of the types of organizations you typically work with, such as you know those in the healthcare and finance space. But um, maybe maybe dive into um, maybe the challenges of, of those spaces because they are kind of challenging. Any any space in healthcare and finance, especially when it comes to security. So, who are the people that typically are reaching out to you in an organization that um, are seeking? You know, obviously CISOs and security leaders in the organization. But um, who cares about the problem that you're trying to solve here? Yeah, I think that, so. There, there are two important points in what you raised, Connor. I think the first one is yes, it is difficult to work with those organizations, which we actually find as a positive thing. Because if we want to work with a credit card provider or a large financial institution or a healthcare company, we need to show that we as a company are ready to work with them. And that has multiple aspects to it. One is we, we've created all our own engines and all our own tools, which means we control our destiny. Uh, and we have SOC 2 compliance, we have SOC 1 compliance, we have ISO compliance, and all of those things are in place, which is very important for those organizations. In terms of the companies or the people that reach out to us, they come from three different places. Obviously, uh, the one you mentioned around the CISO or head of AppSec is definitely one. Uh, the second uh, discipline that people come from is the DevOps organization. For many organizations, uh, DevOps gets a broader mandate to shift their organization into DevOps practices. And as part of that, they don't just want to do DevOps, they want to do DevSecOps so that security or application security budget comes out of that same organization. So that head of DevOps transformation could be a person that's reaching out to us. 
The third area, which is very interesting, and we're seeing more and more in the last year, I would say, uh, are CTOs and people directly in charge of technology mm. or chief architects that are saying, you know, I am sick and tired of identifying these vulnerabilities late. I really want to find them early in the development lifecycle and, and let's acknowledge it, right? Vulnerabilities, security vulnerabilities are bugs. Somehow in the last decade or so, we had this dichotomy of, oh, bugs are part of the technology organization's vulnerabilities, they go to security. No, that doesn't make any sense, right? Vulnerabilities are bugs to go to the development organization. And that's why we believe that while they might need help to understand them, et cetera, the responsibility needs to sit within the development organization to make sure that just like they're not releasing buggy applications, they're not releasing vulnerable applications. And that's why we see uh, interactions from three different types of entities within an organization. Mm. Well, there's a lot to unpack and learn from you, Gotti, from all this, uh, this wonderful chat that we're having. And I'm sure you have a bright future. Oh, <laughs> which, wow. Well which, done. <laughs> which, uh, which I think I'm, I'm not going to hold you uh, any longer. You've given me so much time today. But um, last question for you. What, what do you um, see the future is here in this space? And, and sort of what are the goals and, and the mission of Bright security in the next, uh, you know, two to five years. Yeah, I, th I think in the short term, we're we're super excited about the fact that we we have a very significant number of large organizations, and this is the dream of every startup that all want the exact same solution. And we've gotten to a point. It took us a couple of years to get here, but we've gotten to a point where we have a cluster of of organizations that all have the same need and want the same solution. And that's very exciting to us. So right now, it's all about execution. The next 12 months are heads down, getting the solution deployed, where we still have gaps. And we're a software company. Obviously, there are gaps, right? We're closing those gaps as quickly as we can to make sure that our customers are happy uh, and that our customers have deployed the solution in an automated way. Automation is crucial here across their organization. The phase after that is much more of a growth phase, right? We have 10, 20 large organizations that are all using the product in the right way. Now, how do we duplicate that? How do we turn that into cookie cutter? Uh, looking at a year from now, a year and a bit from now, raising our Series B, currently a Series A company, um, and then being able to pour a lot more fuel on the fire to drive that motion. Uh, and then Beyond that, it's looking at where else does the product expand, right? Today, we're super focused. We're doing developer-centric DAS. We're not looking left or right on how to expand the solution. Uh, we already do a lot of fun stuff around looking at technical vulnerabilities and business logic vulnerabilities to provide more value to our customers, but looking at other solutions and where we can expand, which is a push in, in our industry, will come in the next phase after that. That's that, that two to five year horizon. Well, Gotti Boschwitz, thank you so much for joining Millennium Live and, and uh, sharing all the wonderful things about Bright Security and how you're helping companies secure web applications with your AI-powered application security testing tool that quickly, quickly uncovers flaws. Exactly. Thank you very much, Gotti, for joining us today. Thanks, Connor. Thanks, everybody. And uh, see you in Miami, Connor. Absolutely. See you there.
Thanks for listening. Subscribe to Millennium Live to listen and learn on life and leadership. <laughs>